a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> Going to new heights to ensure no show prep, this is Table Talk Radio. That's true. Uh, we're always looking, we're, we're, we're ingenuitive in finding new ways to make sure we don't have to do any show prep. And today's uh, show is an example of that. Yo, yeah. Thanks to our listeners, uh, all three of them sent in emails at once, so we'll be looking at all three of our listeners' emails and uh, playing a game that is in some way self-promoting. Pastor Wilfner, you know about that? Oh, yeah, we're going to play <laughs> Name That Theologian. Is he self-promoting? Which game is he talking about? <laughs> it's like, is it this whole show? <laughs> hey, did I mention that I got to be on uh, Fisk's radio show on KFUO the other day? Wow. Never mind, it's not podcasted. You can only listen live, but you got to listen to his morning show all the time. Oh, they the... sent up the bat signal. They said, uh, "I got the note." Says, "Hey, we lost a, uh, we lost our guest. Do you want to come on?" Uh... <laughs> Isn't that how it usually goes? That you're on, you're not like the the featured guest. It's always, um, oh man, who else? Yeah. Hey, let's scrape the bottom of the barrel. I, by the way, more than loving your appearances of uh, of Fist's secret. St. Louis area only morning show is I love your appearances on 94.3 The Bridge in Rogue River, Oregon. I mean, that is the cream of the crop radio right there. I know I've arrived. <laughs> I've arrived on, the, on your morning show. Yeah, you and Fist both have morning shows. We should we should have... He gets com- paid to do his. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I do mine just for the fun of it. That's right. All right, well, let's... Uh, no let's... ulterior motives here. <laughs> That's always the case. Most I mostly do it for the fame and fortune. I mean, it used to be that when I walked into Club Rogue River, I was a nobody. But now, <laughs> oh man, people, like, heaven's here. Can I, can I let's get coat? it started. Yeah, it's nice. Well, uh, let's do some uh, buzzwords. What do you got there, Pastor? I got my buzzword for you is incarnation. Uh, in means in. That's a Latin word for in. So I remember that one. And carne means meat or flesh. So incarnation means in the flesh. And when meat. we speak of the incarnation, we're talking about Jesus. You know, the best verse for this, Hebrews 2, it says, Just as the children partake of flesh and blood, that means you and I have bodies, he partook of the same, so that through his death he might overcome him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So Jesus takes on our flesh and blood, becomes of like nature with us, so that he can die, so that he can redeem us. It's beautiful. Incarnation. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, which is probably close to here that you're listening. Maybe. Is that true? Let's let's quit talking about that. Um, <laughs> my theological buzzword for you is filioque. 
Uh, this is Latin. That means and the sun. And uh, there's that it's little be so easy. That there's that little line. I know you use it every day. Anyway, it's like uh, uh, Dad, tell me a, bell t- a bedtime story. Ah, oh, filio. <laughs> I, uh, I say to Carrie, um, I see my daughter, but where's the filio? Where's the filio? <laughs> Uh, so this is that little line, the Nicene Creed that we say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and um, this this is a big uh, uh, historical hubbub because it wasn't in the creed originally, and it was added later, and then um, the Eastern Orthodox churches, um, well, they got all upset about it because you you can't just go adding adding lines now. I suppose it can be somewhat sympathetic to just the procedural objection. I mean, imagine if somebody took the Augsburg Confession. I mean, just as a hypothetical example, someone yep. took the Augsburg Confession, which Lutheran <laughs> princes agreed upon, and then somebody goes and changes it. I mean, that we we would reject that idea. That's right. <laughs> we do reject that idea. That's, I mean, as what Evan's talking about is that, that that's what Melanchthon did. He was always tampering with the Augsburg Confession. So that's why whenever you see, like, you go visit a Lutheran church and they have the cornerstone and it says Church of the UAC, that's the unaltered Augsburg Confession. So the untouched, you know, the non-photoshopped version of the Augsburg Confession. <laughs> right. Now, we don't treat the filioque that way, though, because the filioque is actually pretty helpful. Right, and yeah. The, so, so I mean, there's a distinction from the from the procedural process, but the thing is that the Eastern Orthodox rejected it not just because it was a procedural difference, but because of the theological disagreement. Um, so that they would say, uh, I mean, uh, someone says, look, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. They'd say, no, theologically that is not true. And we say, well, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that uh, one is coming after me, the hel- the helper. Yep. All right. Well, that's our our buzzword. Now we're gonna play a little name that theologian. <clears throat> uh, yeah, baby. You ready? Ready. Do you want me to go first? Oh, am I doing this too? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, of the making of the universe. In the creation of all things, many have taken different views. Each man has laid down the law just as he pleased. For some say that all things have come into being of themselves, and in change, uh, and in a change fashion, as for example, the Epicureans, who tell us in their self-contempt that universal providence does not exist, speaking right in the face of obvious fact and experience. Okay. So this is talking about uh, creation and and um, some people what den- denial of creation is that, is that yeah yeah the denial of creation and some people think uh, and uh, it's talking about the Epicureans basically say everything came from nothing or everything always was and is evolving and has no purpose. In fact, look at the less the next line. For if, as they say, everything had had its beginning of itself independently of purpose, it would follow that everything had come into mere being so as to be alike and not distinct. For it would follow in virtue of the unity of body that everything must be sun or moon. And in the case of men, it would follow that the whole must be hand or eye or foot. But as this is not so, on the contrary, we said distinction of sun and moon and earth and again, and foot and hand and head. And such separate arrangements as this tell us not of their having come into being of themselves, but shows that the cause preceded them, that is the being, from which cause it is possible to apprehend God. 
also as the maker and orderer of all things. Mm. So <laughs> if uh, if if we if we exist, then there must be someone who put us into existence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if uh, there's distinctions, it shows that there is purpose. Ah, oh, good. All right, I, I'm going to say that this sounds like Martin Luther. Hey, you you should listen to some more. You should ask for more quotations. Oh, uh, can I get one more? I forgot how okay. this game worked. Okay. We have then now stated in part, as far as was possible, as ourselves have been able to understand, the reason of his bodily appearing, that it was in the power of none other to turn the corruptible to incorruption, except the Savior himself that had the beginning also made of all things out of nothing. And that none could create anew the likeness of God's image for men, save the image of the Father. And that none other could render the mortal immortal, save the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the very life. And that none other could teach men of the Father and destroy the worship of idols, say the word that orders all things and is alone the true only begotten Son of the Father. Mm. This is amazing. I mean, I, so for our Advent services this last um uh, Advent, we we're going through uh, Colossians. So just we did chapter one, two, three, four, and then um, we were talking about this this verse in Colossians that the fullness of the deity dwells in Him in Christ. I mean that that is amazing, and particularly as we think about the uh, the backdrop of of stuff going on of like Gnosticism that taught that uh, that that God um, God is uh, what pure and undefiled, and we um, this is Gnosticism. We, we're kind of stuck in this material world, trying to escape it. I mean, so so this this the the material physical world is is holding us back, uh, holding us from uh, obtaining once again the the uh, pure divinity or whatever. And then uh, Paul comes along and says, "The fullness of the deity dwells in Christ." <laughs> I mean, it's like you're going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, that that Christ uh, does not come give us a secret knowledge to escape the material world, but He comes into the material world. Um, uh, I mean, it's almost like I was kind of thinking about this for a for a sermon coming up. It's 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 the opposite of of like defilement so so that normally something would be sacred and then you'd pour like pig's blood in it and you have defiled that which is sacred but god does the other way you have this world that is defiled and he comes and makes it holy it's just I've, beautiful there's a great picture in the same thing that i'm reading uh, i wonder where I, uh, oh yeah here it is it says um uh, he said so here's the picture of that thing it's like when a great king enters into some large city and takes up his his abode in one of the houses there. Such a city is, at all events, held worthy of high honor, nor does any enemy or bandit any longer descend upon it and subject it, but on the contrary, it is uh, thought entitled to all care because the king has taken up his residence in a single house. So too has it been with the monarch of all, for now that he has come into our realm and taking up his abode in one body among his peers... Henceforth, the whole conspiracy of the enemy against mankind is checked, and the corruption of death, which before was prevailing against them, is done away with. So because Jesus dwells in just one body, in the whole of humanity, still the whole of humanity now is dignified. Mm, that's amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take the break. I'm going to ponder who this could possibly be and uh, render a guess for Name That Theologian after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're going to play another round of Name That Theologian after this, and then we're going to be playing Name That Game Game. We're going to take an email, one of your emails, and then figure out how we're going to make a game out of this. That is the epitome of no show prep. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. Taking that at me. 
Talk Radio. Disappointing listeners since 2008. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. And we're playing Name That Theologian. And I heard some great quotes before the break, Pastor Wolf, there. Yeah. And, what about uh, this picture of the king living in the, how the king living in the city gives dignity to the whole city? And that's a picture of the incarnation. Christ yeah. dwells among uh, the whole of human nature is, is dignified. This whole piece is just great. I, you want some more of this? Sure. This is so yeah. good. Hold on, the, uh, let, me, uh, let me recline a little bit, get my coffee. Go ahead. Yeah. It was necessary also that the debt owing from all people should be paid again. For as I've already said, it was owing that all should die for which special cause indeed he, that is Jesus, came among us to this intent. After the proofs of his Godhead from his works, he next offered up his sacrifice also on behalf of all, yielding his temple to death in the stead of all, in order, firstly, to make men quit and free of their old trespasses, and further, to show himself more powerful even than death, displaying his own body incorruptible as first fruits of the resurrection of all. Good stuff. All right, I'm going to render a guess. All right. Uh, I think that this is Dr. Martin Luther. <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> Why would you think it was Luther? <laughs> this is Athanasius on the Incarnation. Good. All right. I got some quotes for you. Ready? <laughs> Wait, I want to revel in your mistake there. What happened? I did a little rope and the, 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 the pre-show uh, was, uh, he's like, I'm just going to read a bunch of Luther and then have you guess. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> Two can play that game. All right. I got some quotes. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Thus, we have briefly the first point, which relates to the essence of the sacrament. Now examine further the efficacy and benefits on account of which really the sacrament was instituted, which is also its most necessary part, that we may know that we should seek and obtain there. Now, this is the plain and clear from the words just mentioned. This is my body and blood given for you for the remission of sins. Brief, briefly, that is to say... For this reason, we go to the sacrament because we receive such a treasure by and in which we obtain the forgiveness of sins. Why so? Because the words stand here and give us this. For on this account, he bids us eat and drink, that it may be my own and my benefit as a sure pledge and token, yea, the very same treasure that is appointed for me against sins, death, and every calamity. That's fantastic. So it talked about so whoever this is had talked about what the sacrament is probably the body and blood of Jesus and then said but what's the benefit why why do we have the sacrament and the answer is in the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and that means that in the Lord's supper we have the forgiveness of sins uh, that's the main thing and that's great um, I mean this sounds a lot like I wonder if this is I can't imagine this is a trick so I mean I don't know maybe I'll listen to one more it sounds an awful lot like the large catechism. Hmm. We'll see. Uh, on this account, it is indeed called a food for souls, which nourishes and strengthens the new man. 
For by baptism we were first born anew, but, as we said before, there still remains beside the old vicious nature of flesh and blood in man. And there is so many hindrances and temptations of the devil and of the world, and that we so often become weary and faint and sometimes also stumble. Yeah, it still sounds just like Luther from the large catechism. All right, uh, one more. If this is not Luther from the large catechism, please read me something that would give me that clue. <laughs> oh, yeah, let me just do you some favors, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, Come on. Okay. Help a brother out. Um. Help a filio out. <laughs> Uh, thus we have the entire sacrament, both as to what it is in itself and to what it brings and profits. Now we must also see who is the person that receives this power and benefit. That is oh, answered boy. briefly, as we have said above, of baptism and often elsewhere. Whoever believes it has what these words declare and bring. For when they are not spoken or proclaimed to stone and wood, but to those who hear them, to whom he says, take and eat, etc., and because he offers and promises forgives the forgiveness of sins, it cannot be received otherwise than by faith. That's I mean, it's Luther. It's Luther, large category. It's got to be. No, no doubt. Uh, what is, who is Martin Luther? <laughs> well, he was a reformer in the uh, 16th century. He, yes, Final that's answer. correct. That's right. You're reading from the Large Catechism there about the Lord's Supper, huh? Not only am I reading from the Large Catechism, but I'm reading from the Everyone's Luther edition of the Large Catechism. Hey, all right. Did you know I had this in my hands? I did not. Got it. How'd you get it? Uh, Did you order it from the Lulu? Your dad got it for me. Okay. (laughs) Old dad, he's helpful. I I, I look on the Lulu to see the book orders, and I say, oh, someone ordered some books, and I call up dad. Hey, did you order some books? Yeah. If yeah. if you want if you want a free book that is in some way attached to Brian Wolfmuller, you have a pretty good bet of talking to his dad about it. Yeah, because <laughs> or his mom. Your mom just your mom gave me like four copies of your uh, American Christianity book. Like, really? Hey. Yeah, she's like, if you find someone that wants it, I'm like, yeah, I'll try. Right. <laughs> yeah. CPH said, "Hey, we sold a lot of those. I'll uh, have American Christianity failed at the five dollar Black Friday sale." I was like, "Well, yeah, because Dad ordered a hundred and fifty yeah. copies." It's like Bruce called you and said, "You're not going to believe it. We just we're <laughs> selling like hotcakes." And then your dad calls, "Hey, I just ordered a bunch of books." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, this everyone's Luther. This is I. We, I think we've talked about it here on the table talk, haven't we? The idea is to take Luther, who. You know, there's some public domain Luther, which is what we did with the first couple. I'm I'm working on now the freedom of the Christian, but we took the large catechism and the small cult articles from the Triglata. That's the English uh, version of the Book of Concord published in 1911. It's a beautiful translation. It's in the public domain now. It's that old. And we made a little standalone books for five bucks on Lulu. So print on demand is kind of nice because we put it up there and you can go and order it if you want it. But we don't have, you know, all this all these extra books hanging around. Uh, but you can also download it for free. So we put our P- the PDF of our formatted version of these there, and you can just go and print them off on a few pages and have them for free as well if you don't want them bound. So so those are available. And I think probably the the theological piece that is the most important for, for Christians uh, from Luther, aside from the small catechism, is the large catechism. I think it is the most important theological uh, text that we ought to be familiar with. And you and we got to hear some of it there, Luther talking about the Lord's Supper. He goes through the five chief parts in the large catechism. So Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer, Baptism, and the Lord's Supper. 
Uh, there's an exhortation to communion, which is added later uh, to the large catechism, but that was not part of the large catechism published in the Lutheran Book of Concord. So, so we don't have that in there, uh, although it's really nice. That's where Luther says, when, I, uh, when I'm urging you to go to confession, I'm urging you to be a Christian, and I would walk a thousand miles to go to confession. The, the, that's in there. Uh, that's not in there, but the other these other things are in there, and they're and they're and the reason why the large catechism is so helpful, I think, Evan, is that it's it's not polemical. Most of the uh, most of the Lutheran doctrine uh, documents, the Augsburg Confession, even small called articles, the Formula of Concord, they're embroiled in theological controversy, which is how most of the Bible is, and most of everything that's written in the Church. But the large catechism, it's it steps back a half step, and even though it is somewhat polemical it's not it's saying look here's how we teach the whole faith to the children uh and so it, it gives a a more full uh treatment of things that are not necessarily controversial like for example prayer uh, there's hardly any discussion on prayer in the other confessional documents because no one was really fighting about prayer you get a, a fight about the prayer to the saints or uh, uh fighting about the monastic hours but you don't hear much about prayer itself but in the large catechism as in the small, we have this extended discussion of prayer, not only each of the seven petitions of the Lord's Prayer, but also the, the um, what, like the command to pray, the promise to pray, our need for prayer, uh, the Lord's words that he gives us to pray. That's all there. And it's so it's it's treated absolutely wonderfully. So we want this to be available to everyone. That's why we call it everyone's Luther and, and say that, hey, Luther is not just for the scholars. It's for everybody. Everyone ought to be reading this guy. All right. Yeah, and uh, the Ten Commandments, um, much like that, too. I mean, uh, I guess I suppose there's uh, there fights, I guess, fights over the Third Commandment, possibly, but but not a lot of controversy over them, huh? Yeah, that's right. So now here's the best way to get this stuff. I, so I have the website, the worldwide, the humbly named blog, the Worldwide Wolfmuller, which is wolfmuller.co, and everything dumps there. So um, sermons go there. And, it's like the and, Wolfmuller landfill. Yeah, that's right. That's what it is. And and the grappling goes there and table talk even shows up there. All the stuff that I'm doing just kind of, I kind of it's one place to it's a bucket where I try to collect everything that's happening online into. And so there's a book tab there. And if you click on the book tab, you'll see Has American Christianity Failed, uh, The Final Victory. You'll see this poetry book that we made, but you'll see everyone's Luther there and that and you'll see links then up there to all of these that you can go and, and order for your friends and for yourself and download it for free or whatever's easiest for you and read that stuff. I'm looking at it now. Is it true? Is it there? Um I don't see everything on here. I don't see uh is Wolfson on here? Oh, oh, gotcha. Got one. Is it there? I don't see it. Is it on there? Is Wolf Wolfson creative? It's, well, probably Wolfson is Wolfson is on the about page. So on the about page, I kind of list all the different oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Um, is there a picture of me on here? There's a picture of you uh, in I Madagascar, hope. which I took that. I need photo credits. I took this picture, uh, and you did not give me photo credit. I'm offended. Uh, I'll work on that. Okay. I'll work on that. All right. When we get back from this break, we're going to play Name That Game Game. We're going to read an email that you have sent to questions at tabletalkradio.org. And then we're going to make a game out of it. And um, that just really is because we don't have to make up our own games and do our own show prep. So you, our listener, will do it all for us. And thank you very much. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. not included you're on table talk radio i'm reading luther's sermons from the house postal every week you can find it at www.hope-aurora.org click on the luther sermon podcast you are listening to table talk radio like it or not probably not uh, all right, so Pastor Wilson, I'm going to read an email here. <laughs> I'm ready. And uh, figure out what emails. game we're playing here. Okay, this okay. is an email from Justin in Atlanta, Georgia. He says, I enjoy your program, although in small doses, because I care about my health. Yes, I good. wanted to share something that I heard a local vision casting leader say on a local Christian radio station. And I want to hear your comments. Um, he said that you should, quote, Try to fulfill the vision God has given you to do, and if he hasn't given you one, you can always fall back on the Great Commission. Okay? So what exactly is he saying here? Could you help wow. me parse the theology out? Thanks, so it's Justin. Like, it's like, uh, oh, we got to think of a game to play. Huh. Let's reflect on this thing a little bit and see if that will push us towards a game. I think... Um, this idea is like uh, God has an independent vision for each person, but He's gonna He's He's kind of conceding the fact that not all people are super uh, Christians with their own customized vision from God. Now that itself is an interesting concession, right? And so and so, if you don't have an individual, you got to just go with the with the Scripture, which says um, uh, the Great Commission: Go and make disciples of all nations. Um. But that's the fallback. That's like plan B. Mm-hmm. So it's like plan plan B, do what God says. But plan A. <laughs> Substitute your own. <laughs> yeah, do whatever, do what you want to do that you're convinced that God has told you. This whole thing is disaster. And it's not, try to, listen to this language. We would say, try to keep the commandments. and But that sentence is changed by the vision caster. It says, try to fulfill the vision. You see? Mm-hmm. That's a completely different way of thinking yeah pretty much i mean <laughs> i was just thinking about you know uh what the what the lord uh says to the prophet of jeremiah you know uh they they dream dreams um yep. they uh they they wag their own tongues and say the lord declares mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh but uh let's see i'm trying to pull this up uh therefore behold i am against the prophets declares the lord who steal my words from each other Behold, I'm against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, the Lord declares. <laughs> Wait, just... <laughs> was was Jeremiah writing in 2016? I know. I have a dream. I have a dream that false prophets say. It's incredible. All these visionary prophets. I remember someone, I think I told you this story. Someone said, hey, what's your vision for Hope Lutheran Church? I said, well, I'm not a false prophet, so I don't have a vision. <laughs> You'll have, you'll, you'll have to go ask the false prophet what their vision is. <laughs> I know. What do you mean? What is my vision for the church? Now, this is uh, this is it, it, there's the bigger picture, which is um, you're obnoxious. I mean, this poor guy doesn't know any better. He asks you, "What's, what's your?" He vision? should know better. It was a thriving rep. For <laughs> heaven's sake. 
And his response, and I, and he says, oh, come on. And I said, well, fine. My hope for the church, not as a vision, my hope for the church is everyone dies and goes to heaven. And he says, well, how does that help me sell insurance? <laughs> That's a question for you to figure out, buddy, not me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is good. I mean, haven't so, seen him in a while. This, part of this does reveal your little, uh, little story there, a little anecdote, uh, reveals to us that this. This whole vision casting thing is necessary for business, but it's not necessary for the church. Mm. I mean, the, the mm-hmm, two the mm-hmm, two go mm-hmm. hand in hand. That's I mean, right. That's if, right. If you're if, if you just come in and say, "All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some big things here. What are you going to do? I'm gonna baptize people and preach the gospel and administer the sacrament of the altar. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that's not that's not new enough. We're, we're looking for right. something fresh, you know. <laughs> I know it's an it's an amazing sort of thing how um uh how the church just takes I so I got an advertisement in the mail yesterday I wonder if I oh, I gave it to the Flammy ah oh, the uh, I was you know just to get him worked up What's and his I phone can number? go we'll get him on the line yeah I can go and uh I can go to these conferences now so I can become a visionary leader and this is the seminaries don't teach us how to be visionary leaders and so these conferences will teach you and guide you and give you instruction and practical advice on becoming. A visionary leader. And then there's the quote from all the visionary leaders in the little brochure pamphlet. and says, uh, you know, since I've become a visionary leader, things are great. You know, <laughs> no more cross, no more suffering. Well, yeah, because no more gospel, for heaven's sakes. You don't you know who needs a visionary leader is a movement, not an institution. We don't we need ministers, etc. So oh, don't how, you know the church is not a movement or the church is not an institution. It's a movement. Can you imagine how bad this is for the guy who's like, well, I don't have an individual from God, so I got to go to Plan B and fulfill the Great Commission. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, poor me, I got to go to God's Word. <laughs> I know. I don't have an. I don't have the individual kind of Holy Spirit <laughs> internal fortune cookie. What a fallback it's, plan. I, it's. I, I'm not. It's because I'm not a this pseudo theological witchcraft. I don't participate in that. So I got to fall back on the scriptures. Look, the, uh, the, here's the basic thing. Let's play a game. I got a game. Uh, this game is this. What is God's will for your life? Okay. Ah, you know what we should play. No, right, tell me. Okay, this is the game we should play. Answer the question as. Mm, okay. And the and uh and let's do it this way. Answer the, the question is what is God's will for my life? And I can answer that question. You can tell me how you want me to answer it. But a vision cast vision, vision casting leader and a Lutheran and then who knows what else? We you can pick something else. So. Nice. Uh I like that. Okay, so we're going to do a vision casting leader, a boring hubdrub Lutheran. Um Let's do a, uh, uh, a a Muslim. Oh wow! <laughs> and one more. Uh, let's see, an atheist. <laughs> okay. All right. So I need to pull up my random number generator here. Okay, a Muslim. Man, I, that's this. I forgot how <laughs> this is game is for professionals only. Atheist. I know. All right, you ready? Vision caster, yep. Number one, as a vision casting leader. All right, so what uh, is God's will, for, or what, what was the question? What, is, what the, is God's will for my life? Oh, that'd be really awkward for the atheist. Go ahead. Well, that'll be good to answer. Well, uh, uh, so the vision casting leader has a couple of options. 
So I, I, you could take this option as I can give you a vision for your life, or you can mysteriously through various <laughs> spiritual witchcraft come up with your own vision for your life. So now uh, the the more popular vision casting leaders are going to give you a, their own vision for your life, and it's probably going to have something to do with getting involved in their church movement, catching the vision. In fact, the the fact that they are the vision caster means that they're casting the vision for the church, and it's going to be a vision of revival. Uh, it's going to be, be a vision of saving the city. It's going to be a vision of un, of profound spiritual blessings unlike anything the world has ever seen. Uh, and probably it's going to be driven by your full-on dedication to the cause. Now, the more kind of self-help theologi- vision-casting guru is going to say, well, you've got to find out your own vision for your life. And that comes from studying God's Word out of context. So the way that you do that is you open the Bible to any page, and you find a verse, and you apply it to your life. So, for example, let's just practice that. i got a Bible here. Let me just open up to the Psalms and read any sort of random psalm and let God give me a life vision. Uh, the ah, Psalm 97.1. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. Well, I think that this means that my vision is to be a missionary in Hawaii. You see, the mm-hmm. multitude of the isles be glad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got to start praying and working for that sort of individual uh, vision to come to pass. I like it. You know, it is it is kind of shocking what this vision casting leader said on the radio station that Justin wrote in about, because it's it's usually not that the vision casting leader is uh, encouraging people to discover God's own vision for their lives. It's usually that you should get on board with the vision God has given me. I mean, that's that's really what the vision casting leader is there to do. Yeah, you got your main vision, which is the vision casting leader vision, and then you got your sub visions, oh, okay. which are your own little mini promptings for your own life. And that has to align with the greater vision. Well, you hope it does. Yeah. Okay. I imagine that most of the conflict in these evangelical vision casting churches are the fact that my own little individual vision doesn't match up with the pastor's vision, yeah. and that is so stupid. I mean, it is just, oh, man. So, look, neither one of you guys should be having visions. That's the, that's the, that's witch, it's witchcraft. Oh, we'll get to the answer when yeah. we get to the Lutheran one. All right. Um, do you want to go another round? We've got about a minute yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, we'll give All me right. one more round. Oh, we got the Lutheran now. You want to do that now? No, no, the Lutheran has to go last. All right. So we gotta... We'll hit it again. Uh, oh, now you have the atheist. So how would the atheist answer the question, what is God's will for my life? Well, of course, there's no God but myself. That's the nature of being an atheist. So really, the question is, what is my will for my life? And this is going to depend on what kind of pagan philosophy I'm into. So I might be a stoic atheist, which that makes the goal of my life my own self-improvement. But most likely, I'm an Epicurean atheist, which is why most people become atheists. I'm given over to hedonism, to a maximizing of pleasure in this life. And so uh, my will is to uh, take as much pleasure out of this life as possible, uh, physical, emotional, uh, and every other way. So that is obviously God's will, or my own will, is that I would be happy and I would uh, be the ruler of my own life. I would be autonomous and without suffering. Ah, well, that sounds about right. Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, We'll do another round or two of name that, uh, no, answer the question as... And uh, then we're going to see if Pastor Wolfner can dig out an email from the inbox and uh, we'll shoehorn a game into it because that is what we do here on Table Talk Radio. 
If you want to call in or send us an email, the phone number is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Email address is questions at tabletalkradio.org, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is the best radio program ever. Okay, I said it. Now will you let me go? The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. We are playing the game, answer the question as, and the question is, what is God's will for my life so far? Pastor Wolf Miller has answered the question as a vision-casting leader and as an atheist. So now, Pastor Wolf Miller, answer the question, what is God's will for my life as a Muslim? Well, Islam means submission, right? Uh, peace through submission, or mostly just submission. Uh and uh, and submission to the will of uh, of Allah, which is defined um, in uh, the Quran. I mean, so that you have perfect obedience to God, and you do have some moral precepts, but you also have theological precepts, or at least religious precepts. So you have the five pillars of Islam, which is the kind of unique um, way that the Muslim demonstrates his submission to the will of God. You also have the uh, oh, uh, the uh, oh for heaven's sakes, what is the Islamic law called? Why can't I think of it? Um, um, no, you can't think of it either. Um, Sharia law. Sharia law. That's right. Sharia law. As outlining uh, what our lives among each other can uh, ought to look like according to the uh, according to the will of God. So there's a blind submission to the power of God who is um, completely free and rules over us. Uh, so this is um, this is what uh, Islam means. This, it's, it's an important thing for when we say Islam is a religion of peace to realize the peace that it means. We ought to understand when, when, when someone says Islam is a religion of peace, we ought to hear the words of Jesus from Luke where he says, when a strong man rules over his house, his goods are in peace. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking and Jesus is talking there about the devil and his kingdom how with the devil when the devil has us there's a peacefulness there because we're under the thumb of this of the tyrant uh the devil all right and then uh let's do one more round answer the question as a lutheran i think this is great uh we can say simply from the catechism that uh, when when Luther is teaching us how to confess our sins, he's teaching us the secret to life. And he says, what is your station in life according to the Ten Commandments? And that that little phrase, our station in life according to the Ten Commandments, that is God's will for our life. Well, what's your station and what do the Ten Commandments say about it? Well, that's what God wants you to do. Your husband or a, a wife, well, the Lord says, don't commit adultery. Be faithful to your spouse. Love your, uh, um, the, the, your uh, husband or your wife. Uh, if you're single, then the Lord says, don't commit adultery. In other words, you live in chastity. Uh, are you a, a, a child? Well, the Lord says, honor your father and mother. Are you a parent? 
Honor your father and mother. This is the command that's in place. So we ask, well, what's my station in life? What's my vocation? And what do the Ten Commandments have to say about it? I'm a pastor, so I preach. I'm a father, so I take care of the children, teach them, protect them, and so forth. I'm a citizen, so I live in peace, uh, serving my neighbor, and so forth. Nice. I like it. I'm going to go with the last one. <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's not some sort of secret. That's the thing. Everyone wants uh, you know, God to have some sort of secret will for my own life, and that's what i got to do. But it's, this is not, the Lord doesn't hate you so much that he keeps his will a secret from you. He tells it to you in the scripture. And you know what his, the, the chief desire and will of God is? Is that we would believe in Jesus, that we would be baptized, that we would have the forgiveness of sins, that we would live eternally, that we would be Christians. And so what's my station in life? I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. I trust in God. I rejoice in his promises. I go to church. I eat the body and blood. Uh, this is God's will for my life. I don't have to wonder about it or go some, through some sort of secret, like, sweat lodge vision casting nonsense to figure out what God wants me to do. I just I re- read the Ten Commandments and I trust the gospel. Yeah, uh, well said. All right, look, uh, let's go bl- play another round of this Name That Game game. Do you have an email? I do have an email. Let's see here. I got a couple of emails. Uh, faithful to the gospel. I don't want to be an evangelical. Him review, trust and obey. Let's do, which is the shortest. Uh-huh. Here it is. I don't want to be an evangelical. This is from Carl. Dear pastors, the LCMS church I'm currently attending exhibits signs of going evangelical. Mystical <laughs> praise songs, missionalism, mild mixing of law and gospel, and we're using heterodox material, including the official church connection group. Uh... If you read this on air, make sure your tone is sufficiently disgusted, please. Sorry. The church, the official, let me go back and do that. He actually told me to read it disgustingly, but he told me after the words. That's not fair. <laughs> so let me try that again. We're using heterodox material, including the official church connection group <laughs> material, being the story and a sermon series based on the same. As a 24-year-old layman here on temporary basis, three more years and I'm leaving, is there anything I can do to keep the congregation on the straight and narrow and away from heterodoxy? Uh, I pointed out whenever we come across it in the Young Adults Connection Group or at the Adult Bible Study on Sunday, but there has to be something more I can do, right? Thanks, Carl. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Um, now, I have to say that I agree with the diagnosis. He, This church is exhibiting all the symptoms of a, of a classic... Um, you know, uh, case of terminal missionalism. Um, but but <laughs> there is a cure. <laughs> uh, thankfully, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, this is a tough situation, though. We get these emails all the time. You know, what we should do is just have an automatically forwarding to the district president. <laughs> Because one of the great dangers that we're facing in our own church today is in, 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 to what degree are the, um, are these kind of missionalistic church growth strategies helpful or hurtful to the church? Now, obviously, here on the Table Talk Radio, we've identified them as hurtful, both to the to faith and life and to the congregations and to families and so forth. And we're so we're kind of fighting against it, but not all of our brothers uh in office feel the same way in fact we uh you know feel the wrath of them every once in a while also so um uh, so, so so what can you do in the situation what, well i think this is uh, a great time to play the game comfort the child or kick the dog comfort the child ah yes okay that's good so um so we'll we'll put this line out there and we'll answer it in two ways whether we're uh 
uh, comforting the child. And so this would be your fellow members of the church there. Um, or uh, how you might um, you, you might talk to the pastor who is uh, who is leading the church in this way. And so let's comfort the child first. Yeah. The, the line is, uh, "Isn't this Beth Moore book fantastic?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a hard one. I might have to ask a couple more questions. Say, oh, what do you like about it? Okay. Uh, she so clearly uh, tells us what God's Word says to do. Uh-huh. Uh, you know what are the... Uh, okay, so here's... Okay, let me see here. i got to get in the comfort the job. It's, it takes a little change it's, in gears. It's, <laughs> it's unnatural to a table talk radio host. <laughs> uh, I just got to imagine... Say, to say, you know, one of the great... One of the reasons I really love... Our Lutheran distinctives is this thing that they say about law and gospel, how the distinction between law and gospel is a brilliant light that opens up the scripture. And I found when reading things like Beth Moore and and the time that I also spent hello in the evangelical world is that they had this there was a confusion between law and gospel, between God's God's commands and God's promises. And we know that the main the main beauty of the scripture is that it gives to us the Lord's promises, the kindness of Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. And oftentimes, uh, the evangelicals are going to miss that, and they're going to either have God as nice apart from the death of Jesus or uh, have have really nothing but kind of soft commands that make the Christian life what we're supposed to do. And so um, while there might be some helpful things in there, the thing that is most helpful, most beautiful, and most wonderful is often missing. By the way, uh uh, T-Mobile does not necessarily endorse Table Talk Radio. Just do, 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 do. <laughs> probably I'm going to send them a bill for that advertising. <laughs> they did not want to express any approval of the show by <laughs> having their ringtone heard. Uh, okay, so that was good. Um, yeah, and I think that that's true. I think that um, uh, that uh, so here here's the thing. I I, I really believe that. I think people, um, if they have been taught the truth. Um, before they have their fences up, you know, their their guards of of uh, defensiveness against uh, Fort Wayne grads or something like this. Um, if they are taught the truth, then they aren't willing to go down. That. I mean, it, it's it's a lack of teaching that is the problem here. So I think if you can come alongside of and uh, the, the people of the church and without uh, without being disrespectful, without you know um, usurping the 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 pastor's uh, uh, role, but Teaching distinctions like law and gospel, uh, and all these others that we talk about, uh, the, uh, what is going on in church. It's not about what we're doing, but what God is doing. All these things, then that will start to set off alarms um, when the pastor brings the next, you know, purpose-driven type book. Um, now we only have a minute here, Pastor. Woo, woo, woo. Um, how would you well, kick the dog? It, it, well, maybe one more thing on this so is it you know the the ancient trifecta that uh, of the good, the beautiful, the true. I think is really helpful here because we're often talking about what's true, but we ought to be able to look at the gospel and the and the Lord's kindness and say it's not just true, but it's good and it's beautiful. And I think the more, in a lot of ways, for the comfort the child, the more we can show the beauty of the gospel, then the harder it's going to go to be to go to the ugliness of false doctrine. Now, for the to to kick the dog, I would say, 
What? Are you crazy? I published the large catechism on every man's Luther for five bucks, and you're having people go out and buy Beth Moore for a Bible study? That's Are you nuts? Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna feed them poison dipped in chocolate instead of giving them the meat and potatoes of our Lutheran theology and the truth of God's word? You're absolutely crazy. Give me your ordination certificate. <laughs> Hand it over. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Table Talk Radio. Uh where I can't think of a joke about the filioque. It's not really a joking matter, in fact. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss. Final joke fail. To incomplete yeah, I'll say. Aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Now I have one more thing to say as a podcast extra to... Who was it that wrote the email? Mm, Carl. Carl. Yeah, thank you, Carl. Um... There's always we get these emails a lot, especially with said, and there's always a balance um, between you know sticking it out and just leaving, and uh, this is assuming that there is a, a good church to go to in your area. I mean th- that that's the email we get all the time. Is look, I know now the difference, and there's not a good church in my area, and that's that's a, those are sad emails to get. Um, but for those who try to stick it out, um, I think uh, most of the time. It really doesn't do much good to try and reform uh, a church that has already gone the way of of evangelicalism. If there is a, a good, solid confessional church in your area, just go to it and just yeah. receive the gifts. Um, there, so, sometimes it's not available, and we have to make the best with what we got. The, there's the, these uh, church growth pastors are trained in not letting anyone derail their vision. Mm-hmm. So it's really. Um, you got to be so they when you go to them with kind of peaceful correction, which you should do, you know, this is a Christian sort of thing. They are warned against you. Mm. And so that's often um, that's oftentimes uh, really a, a frustrating sort of thing. Even, you know, you go with with peacefulness and with care. You're trying to console the child. You're trying to have a decent conversation. They understand you to be quenching the spirit. I mean, that's that's how they read these sorts of things. So. And if you if you go to a church that uh, preaches long gospel, preaches Christ, administers the sacraments, practices closed communion, uh, rejoice in the Lord, and uh, let the uh, let the pastor's work service you be a a a delight and not a burden, because um, there are so 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 many people that write into us and issues et cetera and other shows say, look, I wish I could go to a confessional Lutheran church, but there just isn't one in my area. I, 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 we can't we can't overemphasize how often we get those emails. Yep. So rejoice. So we got to set up the the uh, email forwarding system to the district presidents. Yep. yep. All right. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio, guys.